Well, hopefully you left your Bibles open to that passage that Tim just read for us. We've been working our way, preaching through uh, 1 Timothy, and then we're going to go to, Lord willing, 2 Timothy and then Titus. Uh, in a series of lessons, it's going to take us a long time. And the uh, theme of the series is what's preacher to do, uh, because that's what Paul wrote to this preacher named Timothy and Titus. And, of course, he's inspired the Holy Spirit. But before we get into that too much, I want to say something in case I didn't get to everyone. Happy Dad's Day to all you fathers. So I want to mention that. Uh, so if you ladies forgot it was Father's Day or somebody forgot, well, you know, you got it made. You can take them out for lunch. We're going to have lunch right here after we get done. So anyway, uh, and there's good food because I carried a bunch of it in and I only snuck two things to my car. No, I didn't. But last week, we looked at verses 1 and 2 because I really was going to go 1 through 5, and I thought, whoa, we'll be here a long time if I go 1 through 5. But the main point we made from verse 1 is the point that he makes some will fall away. I don't like that. God doesn't like that. The worst predicament anybody is in on this entire planet is those who have fallen away. It's worse for them than anyone else unless they will change their ways. And you think about religions who teach, well, once you're saved, you're always saved. Well, that sounds like you can't fall away, but he says some will fall away. And we spent 35 minutes or so in that last week, so I'm not going to get into that this week. But I want us to look, and he says, by hypocrisy, uh, one of the things they do, they uh, forbid marriage. Now, I do want to say this in this passage. I don't know how many times in my life I've had people try to use this passage to condone things like uh, using drugs or using alcohol because they get down. Everything created by God is good. It's all good. Well, you can pull any phrase out of the Bible and come up with any idea you want, but we're going to get into how that works into this context. And so we look and he says, some of them forbid, you know, there's even religious groups that forbid some people from getting married. <laughs> some of you even used to be in one of them that's very well known for that. Forbid marriage. But isn't it interesting? God made Adam. Then he made this bride, Eve, this woman from his ribs. And in Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, the two are joined together and the two become one, and he, Adam has a wife. So right at the very beginning of creation, God institutes marriage. So who in their right mind would say, well, you shouldn't get married. Marriage is wrong. Marriage is physical and has no spiritual importance. Well, what do you do with passages like 1 Corinthians 7 that talks about the importance of marriage? Or even maybe one that's more substantial to me is a comparison in Ephesians 5, verses 22 and following of Christ and the church and the husband and the wife. So you think about that. Sometimes people, it's kind of like, you know, I like to point this out sometimes. I have no problem wearing a jacket and a tie except I get hot. Okay? But I wouldn't have any person, and some people say, wouldn't offend me. I well, doesn't offend everybody. But there's some people who would be greatly offended if I didn't wear a jacket and a tie sometimes. So I'm just going to wear a jacket and a tie. It's not the big deal. So what? People say, well, they should. I'm not going to. I don't care what they should or shouldn't do. 
So you look at that, but here's what I do. Now, let's say someone's going to get on me about wearing a jacket and a tie, and he never wears a jacket and a tie. That's hypocrisy he's talking about. So how in the world does a married man tell you that someone shouldn't be married? And so we think about those hypocrisies, but maybe even the more likely one in the first century is the next one that he talks about. And the Jews and the Gentiles, they played into this a lot, and that's the idea of forbidding food. We can't eat certain things. Well, you know, if we took time, and I don't have time today to go through it all, but most of you will know this. From the Old Testament, the Jewish people couldn't eat certain foods. So I had lots of mornings I have sausage and eggs. They could eat the eggs, but they couldn't eat sausage because it's pork. Man, we got, I'm glad I live in the New Testament. Uh, you know, so some of those things that are clean, there's still some unclean things under the old, they couldn't eat fungus, so mushrooms were no good. I'm good with that because I don't like mushrooms. But no, but we look at that, it's not clean or unclean. You think about it, it was mentioned even with Cornelius and the vision that comes down to uh, Peter. And I, I was teasing Jamie with it there. Look here, it says, take, kill, and eat. I did that. But anyway, you look, he's taking all, it doesn't make any difference. I'm not going to have clean and unclean animals anymore. And so you look at that, but the Jews, when they were converting the Gentiles, the thing they were wanting to bind a lot was circumcision and food eaten, uh, what food they should eat. And another problem they had, we won't have time to look at it all, but it is interesting. I'll show you this one. Turn with me to Acts 15. I'll slow down just a minute for you. Acts 15, go to, uh, let me see what verse I want to go to here. Uh, in Acts 15, he tells them here that in verse 29, in this letter that Barnabas and Paul are going to take back to him, he says, and you abstain from things sacrificed to idols, from blood, from things strangled, from fornication. Huh, so... Early on, they're looking at sacrifices, and especially when they're going out into the Gentile world. And let me tell you what, you take like in the city of Ephesus, whoo, and it, that's the next chapter in Acts. They had some strange temple practices in Ephesus. They had temple prostitutes. They, so he says, man, don't do anything that's going to attach you to any of this. And you know, I, we, you and I need to think about that. We don't have to deal with those things in America much. But we've got to watch being attached to denominationalism, don't we? From when I first started preaching, that's been over 40 years ago, moved to Cedarville, Kansas, and two denominational preachers come and ask me to become part of the Ministerial Alliance. And I ask them, do you know what an ally is? Now, I'm 22 years old. They're a lot older than me. They're probably in their 40s. They're old men when you're 22. But anyway, I said, I'm not your ally. We don't even agree on what the Bible teaches or doesn't teach. And we don't agree. If you want to get together, I'll be glad to get together with you guys anytime for a Bible study. I didn't get invited anymore. But I'm not going to make it sound like everything's okay because we've got to proclaim the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. We've got to say what the Bible says. Now, look to another one, though, as it continues on in the New Testament. Remember, we're at Acts 16. It's early. I want to show you how some things move along, and the Jews-Gentile relationship wasn't quite a strain then. And go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. But food will not condemn us to God, for neither the worse if we do eat, 
nor the better if you... I know people who think, because I've talked to them, that since I'm a meat eater, I'm going to hell. They think you have to be a vegetarian. Well, I always tell them from my upbringing, Oklahoma's right... I grew up 10 miles from Oklahoma line, and so we always teased about this. The word vegetarian is an old Indian word for bad hunter. But anyway, now you look at that. I'm vegetarian. You don't get to eat meat? And of course, that's humor. But I want you to think about this idea of, he says, well, I don't care if you eat or don't eat. It won't make you more holy or less holy. But he goes on in verse 9, but he says, but take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. If we had chance to go on to other passages, we could look at these strong have to pay attention to the weak, don't we? So there might be some situations where I can do that, but this is just not the time to do it because they're not ready to accept that yet. So I want you to think about that when we get back here into 1 Timothy, the text for the day, when he says, they forbid marriage, they forbid the eating of meat. But then he goes on and says, God has created these things. Be grateful, shared in by those who believe and know the truth. You know my statement, I quote my mom a lot on this. If you know the truth, error's obvious. You know why people get led astray? They don't know the truth. They don't spend much time in the book. I mean, you're going to have a hard time getting me to believe that all you got to do is believe in Jesus and say the sinner's prayer and you'll be saved because I know passage after passage after passage after passage after passage that would teach totally contrary to that. Now, some people might be getting led astray for that. You know why? Because they don't know the truth. Now, on some things outside the Bible, I don't know what the truth is. Half the things going on in America today, you listen to one news report and another, you don't know the truth about it anymore than I do. And it always amazes me, people that weren't there tell you what went on. You weren't even there. Well, my brother's uncle's sister said, oh, boy, that gets really out there, doesn't it? But God wants to make sure on spiritual matters that we have the whole truth. He's made sure it's all there for us. Uh, Jude verse 3 said this gospel, this gospel, this salvation, which has been once for all delivered, it's said and done, and it's all there. So I want you to think about, as we look into chapter 4, he says everything created by God, verse 4, is good. Now, I don't know always what's good... You guys, any of you ever, raise your hand if you've ever been bitten by a mosquito. Can you tell me what's good about a mosquito? I can tell you some things good about a mosquito because I had someone teach me. On the north slope of Alaska, there's mosquitoes like you have never experienced if you have. I'm telling you, I've been there. And I can show you video on a hunt and you won't believe it's real. But the reason they're there, the majority of the shorebirds on North America and South American continent are all hatched on the North Slope of Alaska. And without this dense mosquito population, all the hatchlings would die. And so all the shorebirds you have all up from South America and North America, the I said, well, ship the rest of these mosquitoes to the North Slope. But, you know, we don't always understand what it all is. I think God understands it all. It's even interesting to see in the days of creation they come together systematically in order, and they have to happen in a 24-hour period or things won't last. It would all die. 
And isn't it amazing? So he says, I want you to know all things are good. That doesn't mean all things are used properly and in a good way. So you look at this. He says, all things are good and nothing is being rejected if it's received in gratitude. But then he says, for it is sanctified by the means of the word of God and prayer. So I want you to think about something. So before you partake in it, you need to think, does the word of God allow me to do this? And can I pray and thank God for it? God, thank you for the prayer when I'm about to shoot up. You're kidding me. Now, if you could pray that, something's messed up. And so you think about it, we have to understand, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. So here's where it is. It isn't right because Kendall said so. It isn't right because you said so. It isn't right because my mama said so. It gets down to it's going to have to be what God's word says. Matter of fact, look at another passage with me in Romans. Romans 14. While we're turning to Romans 14, let me remind you of something else. We've got to figure out, does God approve of it? Now, when I think about a passage about approval, for some reason I go back in my childhood to 2 Timothy 2.15 because it says so in King James Version. Study to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Here it is, approved of God. You've got to study the Bible, you've got to know the Bible, you've got to obey the Bible, and you've got to share the Bible if you're going to be approved of by God. How important is it for God to approve of you? Here's how important it is. Heaven, hell. That's how cut and dry it is. You know, I grew up in a household where you had to have my parents' approval or it didn't go well for you. And you can ask any, and I've told you this before, and I got a lot of spankings. A lot of them. And all my brothers and sisters will tell you I got more than the rest of them put together. I think they were trying to make an example out of me. No, but it could be that I didn't do well in doing what I didn't always get their approval. And so they wanted to teach me what disapproval brought about. And so we look over in Romans 14. Uh, go to verse 21. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything which, uh, by which your brother would stumble. So when I'm whatever I do... Do I have to be concerned about how it affects the rest of the brethren here? I mean, I have to be, well, I, they don't get like that. Well, what's their problem? How can I help them? In America, I tell people, we, we sometimes forget to be thankful for our freedoms, and we're just worried about our rights. You know, when I'm about my rights, I'm talking about what I'm going to get. When I think about freedoms, just like when we were at Branson and, you know, they talked to me there and they were talking about, you know, giving veterans and those who served in the military, they're giving them uh, a discount. Well, I didn't do anything for that discount. I, I appreciate all those who did. You can give them my discount and someone else's. You know, you look at that and the Bible will teach us that we need to be concerned about others. He goes on, verse 22 and 23. I want to get to 23. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who is not condemned by his own, what he approves. So you need to study the Bible. You need to see what the Bible says. You need to think about other people. And you make, need to make sure that what you approve of will not cost your soul. And then he says, 
But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith and whatever is not from faith is what? S-I-N. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I've got to make sure that whatever I do, you know my phrase, I need to book the chapter and the verse. I need to be able to find it because if I do something that's not according to faith, if I have, if I just, well, I'm not sure I should do, I'm not sure I shouldn't, but I'm not sure I should. So what should I do? Not do it till I'm sure. And you know what you do? You don't just go decide, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm not sure about it. You got to study till you are sure of one way or the other. You can't just walk around with your head in the air and act like you don't know anything. There was a time of ignorance God winked at, but now demands all men everywhere repent, Acts 17 and verse 30. So I think about that. I like another one. I like a bunch of them. James chapter 4 and verse 15. Listen to this. You guys are going to know this passage, but I'll, I'll just read it here. James 4 and verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this. Today or tomorrow? Tomorrow I'm going to do this, if the Lord wills. So I've got to make sure what I do in my life is according to the will of God. Even in class this morning, Caleb was talking a little bit about that, and J.C. commented on it. You know where I go to find out what God's will is? He wrote it down right there. Now, I might not be the best person to read, but I can read so there's no excuse for me not knowing what God's will is. We need to study. We need to know what God's will is. We need to hold on to what he says. I also think about when he talks about this idea of forbid and abstain. People don't like those verses in the Bible. Did you know that? How do you like when someone says, I forbid you? Well, who do you think you are? I'm telling you, if God forbids you, you better know who he is. And if he tells you there abstains pretty easy you think about timothy he'd had a stomach problem and he's told by paul for a medical condition to consume a little wine for his stomach's sake that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be intoxicating because grape juice is good for your stomach okay but drink a little wine for your stomach it's obvious from that passage before that timothy abstained from the consumption of wine. Or he wouldn't have had to tell him to drink a little bit. He obviously drank none. So my word would be he was a teetotaler. So we look at this and he abstained from it. So abstain means you don't do it at all, right? If you abstain from it. Okay? So we're going to look at some passages. I think they're important because just because in this passage some people forbid this and some people says to abstain from this, so then some people draw the conclusion the Bible doesn't forbid anything or teach you to abstain from anything, you would be wrong. He's saying, but sometimes people want to make rules that the Bible doesn't make. Let's say we're going to decide to make a rule. There's going to be a few of us in here. We're good with this rule. If you want to go to heaven, you got to shave your head. We got it going, though, all right. Three of us in here says, yeah. You know, so we look at that. The rest of you, we're going to look down our noses at you. You women don't go shave your heads. I do not believe that. I'm not teaching that, so don't do that. I think I read somewhere in 1 Corinthians, uh, 
let me think what chapter 11 it says long hair is a glory to woman who am i to argue with god i'm nobody so uh don't hear me say something i'm not saying but look over at a couple passages with me go to uh first thessalonians chapter 5 i'll slow down so we can read some of these first thessalonians 5 uh, verses 21 and 22 little short verses but examine everything carefully are things always as they seem just at the beginning? Or sometimes do you just have to take a little more time and investigate a little bit and look a little further before you really know? Oh, that must be why the Bible says Exam examine everything carefully. Hold fast to what's good. It seems like in our world and mankind cloudies the line between good and evil. Prior to 1973, our country had no problem understanding you can't kill unborn children. Now, after 60 million of them we've exterminated plus. Wow. Gets cloudy to some people. It's not cloudy in the Bible. So he says, examine everything carefully, hold fast to what's good, hold fast to what's good, and abstain from every appearance, the King James says, or my New England Standard says, form of evil. So if it's evil, what am I supposed to do? Abstain, not supposed to take any of it at all. Let's just say, I don't know what all's back there. Oh, I saw one thing come in. Let's say that we determine the Bible teaches, it doesn't teach this, but it teaches one of the evils is to eat banana pudding because I carried some in. So it's eat, John, I'm watching him. He's only had two spoonfuls so far. No, abstain from banana pudding, because it's evil. Would that mean we could eat a little bit? It means Charlene has to take the whole pan home. She says, well, we're gonna stay from we just will throw in the trash now, you know? But you look at that. Now that seems silly with banana pudding, but it makes the illustration, doesn't it? So he says we're to abstain from what? every form of evil. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, all of them fit in there. We've got to remember to abstain from it. Let's look at another one. Uh, go over to 1 Peter chapter 2. i got to hurry. 1 Peter 2. Well, if I go over, we'll just shorten J.C.'s time up. 1 Peter chapter 2, he says in your dreams, 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers. Now, unless you've traveled to another country, that doesn't make as much sense. But if you've been there and everyone's speaking a different language, well, he says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers, we don't belong here, to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage wars against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the things which they slander you as evildoers, see, they're going to call good bad, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day. Hopefully some of them catch on and obey the gospel. You know, I just watched this week. I get a lot of posts on Facebook from different preachers. I saw more than one of them that Facebook didn't like what they put on there. So they went to Facebook jail. They deleted it. And these guys were just telling them what the Bible said. I mean, book, chapter, and verse. Facebook says good is evil and evil's good. 
because they got the, I don't know, someone's going to have to tell me. I get these little things now. They're little short video clips. I can't delete them. They show, and every one of them is about transgender garbage. I get so sick and tired of this stuff. So we can't put on there about God's sanctity and marriage, but we can put all this stuff. See, we've called good, bad, and bad, evil. That isn't just one little thing. I'm probably going to say this and we're going to post this and they're going to catch it. And, well, there goes this lesson. But no, you look at it, you think, what is this idea of censoring all this? We've got to speak the truth. Also think of another one. Um, sometime beside the word abstain, we'll use this word, flee. F-L-E-E. What's flee mean? See you guys later. Flee means run. Get away. Get out of here. So it says in like 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, he tells Timothy, Flee from youthful lusts. So don't hang out with people that are like that, that are ungodly. They get on those things. Flee from them. Run away from them. Evil companions corrupt good morals. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Another one, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18 says, Flee from immorality. Do we live in an immoral world? It's tough, isn't it? Sometimes it means if you're watching a movie, you might have shut it off. Sometimes you listen to a song, you might have to turn it down. Sometimes you're around certain people, you just have to walk away. Flee from sexual immorality. And another one, 1 Corinthians uh, 10 and verse 14, flee from idolatry. Do you know that covetousness is a form of idolatry? I read a poll not long ago. I, I've got it written down somewhere, I don't remember. But it talked about um, worship in the United States, and they asked people,